Welcome into another episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Theo the Juggernaut. Theo, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. It's been a couple weeks. It was a little chilly the last two weeks, but hey, warm weather's ahead, and uh, snow's actually melting in January, if you believe that. But good tilt tonight. It's going to be fun talking with you, Joe, and uh, let's get cracking. So... Championship week, let's just start with that because this, uh, first of all, do you agree with the Super Bowl logo theory? If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a theory out there where the two Super Bowl, um, I guess, competitors, colors are on the logo. And this comes out early in the season. And the last two Super Bowls have actually... The last few Super Bowls, in the last few Super Bowls, there have been at least two of them that have had the same colors as the participants in the Super Bowl. Do you agree with that? Believe with it as much as the John Madden curse on the cover of his game. No. I, I don't either. But at the same time, I've heard nothing but the NFL scripted, the NFL scripted, the NFL scripted. You know what I mean? It, it's just you hear this shit every year. Same shit, different year. Well, I mean, you know, Joe, you look at a hundred different websites during the day, you're bound to find one or two that's going to say something like you just said. You're going to find something. If you dig deep enough and you go down that rabbit hole long enough, bottom line is right now, mark my word on this, Joe, the four teams that are left in championship weekend are the teams that are playing the best football at the end of the year. Exactly. Okay, let's yep. just call a spade a spade. Colors aside, coachings aside, uh, what you did in the regular season don't mean much. The four teams that are left are the four best teams that are playing the best football right now in January. And that was the point last weekend, too, when you saw those eight turned into four. Uh, you've got a great matchup in the NFC. You've got a phenomenal matchup in the AFC. You've got storylines that you can talk about with actual physical players playing great football and playing on great teams instead of worrying about, oh, it's scripted this or the colors don't match. I mean, yeah. Am I upset that periwinkle blue and yellow isn't in the Super Bowl? Yes, because my Chargers ended up 5'11". Of course I'm upset. You're darn right I'm upset. They should have been in the Super Bowl, but they're not. Instead of looking yeah. for a year later, when they should have been looking for a new coach the year before. But maybe that'll be fruition because we won't get into that because they probably, I mean, I haven't been called yet for a coaching interview, but they've called 6,500 other people and they've had 75 other interviews. It's nuts, but maybe they got their guy. We'll see what happens. There's, there are two, like, like, like you said, the matchups, they're unbelievable. Let's start in the NFC where you had the Niners facing the Green Bay Packers last week, and the Green Bay Packers nearly beat the San Francisco 49ers. Imagine this, Theo. A rebuilding Packers team upsetting two of the NFC's best. And I sure. can't believe I'm saying that about the uh, Dallas Cowboys. That, that Dallas Cowboys, oh, God, don't, don't even get me started on that. But, Joe, but, that's... You know, what you did in the regular season. We both sat on the show two weeks ago and we said there's no way that 
a undefeated at home Dallas Cowboy team should even be worried about Green Bay. Remember, we said that two weeks. We both agreed on that. Yeah. You know, their offense was putting up 80 more yards than previous. Their defense was lights out at home, undefeated. And the game plan for Green Bay just sniffed it all right out. Dan Quinn was already halfway out of the seat before the game even started. And the Dallas Cowboys got nipped. Absolutely. Jordan Love has beaten the Dallas Cowboys in a postseason game. Something that Brett Favre could not do in his entire career. And he almost pulled off what Aaron Rodgers couldn't do in his Green Bay career, almost defeating the San Francisco 49ers. But it also shows that Shanning in San Francisco had a game plan that included Debo Samuel. And that game got extremely close. You Correct me if I'm wrong. But if you watch that game, that game got extremely close once Debo Samuel was no longer on the field. That's a massive weapon missing from the 49ers. And I'm surprised Brandon Ayuk did not get used, but mind you, they double-teamed him a lot in the second half. So they had to find the alternative weapons in the 49ers, and that is what gets you. You know, uh, there are so many weapons on that 49er offense uh, that can put points in the end zone, and they put just enough against you. And it also took a uh, missed field goal by Anders Carlson. Um, that that surely didn't help the Green Bay Packer odds there. Um, you at least make that field goal, you're up by four at the time. You make that field goal, you're up by seven. If they go up, if they go and score a touchdown after that, they being the 49ers, they're only tied. That's right. So, I, I mean, you, yeah, you got to give Green Bay a lot of credit. I mean, they weren't expected to even be in the playoffs, much less upset the number two seed in the, or yeah, the number two seed in the, uh, well, three seed. I, I'm, I could be wrong on this. Upset one of the best in the NFC. In the, in the Dallas Cowboys, and you come this close to beating the 49ers. This team is going to get real good real quick. And you know what? It, I'm glad you – I'm just going to keep going on that topic very quickly, Joe. If you looked at – there was some the stat that came up uh, during that game against the Niners. Every single month, the Green Bay Packers had a different receiver that led them in uh, touches and yards each month. It was never a repetitive receiver. One month it was Watson, then the next month it was Dobbs, then the next month it was a backup tight end, then the next one with another tight end, and then another one in December was a receiver. So they had five weapons that led that team each month in passing yards. Not to mention how well Jordan Love really protected the ball uh, without throwing many interceptions throughout the entire year, especially in the last six games. Put on top of that two healthy running backs – and a secondary that finally did perform like the ball hawk first round as they were supposed to. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things going on in Green Bay. Um, will it continue? That's what the offseason is for. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't think – I mean, as, as great as we're hyping or how great as we saw hype the Green Bay Packers, there were six other – seven other teams better than them in the regular season. And – they beat one of the greater ones in the Dallas Cowboys. Which um, 
news came out today that the Packers fired their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. Um, a lot of Packer fans really wanted that to happen. I mean, the thing was, I thought the latter part of the season when they did start winning and holding teams, maybe was going to be a savior for him, but it ended up not being a savior for him. So it'll be interesting to see what they do from a defensive point of view. For sure. Yeah. I mean, San Francisco's not out of the weeds yet. I mean, they've got a really tough game this Sunday. And yeah, let's get to that. You have the Detroit Lions winning two playoff games at home. The first two playoff games at home in a very, very, very long time. Um, so you, you knew they were going to come into this game against, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a high. I don't know why I keep getting calls. Sorry. Um, I, I don't, you knew they were going to come in on a high. Okay. So you go into a game against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers were not as good. I mean, give credit to Baker Mayfield though. Baker Mayfield really showed out and if it wasn't for a pass over the middle that probably shouldn't have been made that's even a closer game and who knows what we're talking about now but behind that crowd i mean that crowd in detroit man have you seen anything like that well, i mean it, when you think i mean about yeah seven... they're good crowds but that's 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 borderline insane Incredibly how good that loud. crowd was in detroit yes yeah very passionate uh, they haven't had that happen in ever. And, I mean, it's it's what Detroit needs. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the Detroit Lions at the beginning of the year, we said that they were going to win the division. And they did. Um, Coach Campbell really had them getting knocked down and taken off a kneecap and taken off another kneecap and yanking a shoulder out of a socket and, you know, eventually clipping them off one by one by one by one. And the buy-in, the drafting, the right people in the right positions gave Detroit two wins at home. And you know what? Detroit's offense does fit and can beat a Niners defense. Can Brock Purdy play in a drier night so he's not um, dealing with the Detroit Lions defense? So the matchup there is what you got to look at. I mean – San Francisco's run defense isn't strong. It's, I think, 14th in the league. Detroit ran over their last two opponents. They buried the ball. Jared Goff protected the ball, did very well. But I think it's more the Detroit run offense that's going to be problematic for the Niners. Flip the script to the Niners offense against the Detroit Lions defense. Brock Purdy has two, three big guys to look over top on the defensive line. Aiden Hutchinson being one of them. He's a menace. How he goes unblocked at any time blows my mind. Brock Purdy does not, will not have enough time to go through every single read. He has to be quick. He has to be competent. He has to protect the ball. Twice in that Green Bay Packer game, he should have been pick sixth. And, yeah, that was the other side of it, too, last weekend. The Packers had could have big sixes, but they didn't. They dropped the ball. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be – I think it's going to be closer than the seven that they're putting up on the odds right now. I really do think it's going to be in the seven. Who are you going to take, Joe? 
Oh, I'm, I'm going to go Detroit. I, I think they can beat the Niners, and I think I think they will beat the Niners. Okay. You? I'll take the other team, then. All right. Uh, in the AFC, let's let's begin first with the Buffalo Bills and Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I mean, it seemed like every touchdown they were looking at Taylor Swift, but that that's another story. Did you by chance see another Kelsey brother with his shirt off and <laughs> chugging he's a, a beer? Yeah, he's got a dad bod like me. Like <laughs> I was looking at that and I'm like, man, that looks like me. Except he's got more hair on top. But nonetheless, it was like this guy's a gem. Not only is he without a shirt. He's wearing his Uggs and his sweats. Classic uh, wardrobe for a box seat at a playoff game. Good job there, Kelsey. Especially in the cold, man. I mean, if anybody can, hey, if anybody can, if anybody's used to it, it's men that are built like not uh, Travis, but uh, Jason Kelsey. So, um, but that he's lifting fans up. He's giving them hugs. He's Sharing drinks, he's bringing fans to meet Taylor Swift. He's jumping in another building, in another window. Security is like, listen, man, can you just like stay in one place for five minutes so we can do our job and don't make our job so hard on us, please? Well, it's, it's funny because it's funny because uh, they, I was basically watching a reel on uh, the Kelsey podcast, basically saying that uh, Kylie Kelsey, his wife, goes. As she's going in there, be on your best behavior. Be on your best behavior. He goes, you know damn well my shirt's coming off. You know damn well my shirt's coming off. Oh, we're meeting Taylor Swift. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nope. I love let Jason do, Kelsey. Let him, do, let him do Kelsey things. Exactly. Exactly. That was awesome. But going to the game period, that was an all-time classic, man. I I don't know if it was to the effect of the 2021 divisional playoff. No. But man, it was a great game. It was punch counter punch. I mean, it was a Holyfield Tyson fight. Is what that you was. Think it, you think it was? Yes. I, I mean, it was it punch was counter a... punch. It was punch counter know. punch the whole time, Theo. I don't. Th- well, okay, from a count, from a punch aspect, sure. But what I saw was, I saw a Buffalo Bills team that was decimated by injury. If you had to pick the roster, pick the starting roster of the Buffalo Bills against the starting roster of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs were two things, healthier and better balanced because they didn't have injury. Buffalo Bills were missing, what was it, two secondaries. They were missing two of their three starting defensive linemen. They did not have their uppercut sensation in uh, – Wide out. I couldn't even name their top two wideouts in Buffalo. You, you can't name Stefan Diggs. He didn't. And play. Stephon Diggs didn't do anything. He didn't play. Yes, he did. He did. He did. Yes, nothing. he did. He was. Irrelevant. He did nothing, but he but he played. That but Stephon, the, so Stephon Diggs in that respect did he did and that's the thing why that's why I don't say it was punch counter punch punch counter punch. Because Stefan Diggs didn't even put the glove on. You know, and you, you want to talk about, you know, all the hype and all the talk 
about how great of a one-two combination him and his quarterback is, and it was non-existence against the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I mean, the fact that the game came to a wide right yet again, Buffalo Bill three-point try, uh, just says, you know what? Maybe Buffalo's just not meant to be in a Super Bowl. I don't know. But for Allen and for Sean Dermott and the guys that were there playing the way they did, hurting the way they did, you know, I don't, uh, you know, everything, all the cards outside of being an away game from Pat Mahomes lined up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I would agree with that. But also, I, I would say that field goal is big and that fake punt by DeMar Hamlin. Uh, what the hell was he doing? No clue. I know you were trying to be a hero for the city of Buffalo, knowing what you went through. And I'm sorry I had to go there, Theo. Yeah. No, but I did. You don't, you don't do that. That, that, basically, that basically ended it for Buffalo right there. Yep. That's terrible, Theo. Yep. Probably agree. one of the worst decisions I think I've ever seen in my life. It, it was, I mean, and that's you the know, thing. I, I hate to be risque and say he's trying to be a hero for Buffalo, but I'm sorry. That's the way that looked. Yep, I hate your bang on. I mean, you look at, I'm going to go back to Stefan Diggs real quick here. His last two games. His two games in January, the 15th and the 21st, he had 10 receptions total for, my math is right, 83 yards. And his average was under 7.5 yards. That's not Stefan Diggs. Like, that is that is a guy that's just – and if you include, include the Miami game, where he had seven more catches and for 87 yards – there's a guy that's on average supposed to be catching 12.3 yards a catch, putting up 12, 14, 1600 yards a season. And he's shooting blanks with his big time Wyoming quarterback. I mean, like, that's. Well, a, a if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I think about moving on. Pardon me? I, I, I think about moving on from Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Because you have a gut, you have another wideout in in Shakir who is going to be special. He is your number one. He is going to be your number one wide receiver in Buffalo. I'd you move know on. The thing about Shakir is that Shakir doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I would agree. Well, he plays like he does, but he doesn't. I mean, he Playing plays like one, and then he's doing... made some catches where I'm like, how are you making? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stefan Diggs has not shown up in the playoffs. No. For Buffalo. And we haven't even talked about Baltimore. No, not at all. You know, there are guys in every league that shoot in every league seal, really. Even NHL, MLB, whatever, that are great regular season players that don't show up in the playoffs. There, there are guys. So, uh, the one guy that we 
that I kind of a few years ago labeled as not a playoff performer was Lamar Jackson. And boy, was I wrong. Lamar Jackson by himself can win football games. He's unbelievable. And not to mention you have a good running back, good few good wide receivers, including OBJ. I mean, that that team, that looks like a Super Bowl team, man. I, I, I'm sorry. I Look, as much as I can't stand Kansas City, I understand why they're there. But please, please, Baltimore, can you beat Kansas City? That That is my only ask. Beat Kansas City. Because I'm getting so tired of seeing the Kansas City Chiefs in a damn Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one broken record piece is that Kansas City has done it for the last six years. You know, and Patrick Holmes just has a way of getting into the Super Bowl. Five of those six years. So what you have to look at is, okay, it's a home game for Baltimore. Yes, they should be better rested. Yes, they have home field advantage. Does that really matter to Patrick Mahomes? What are the keys to Baltimore winning, Joe? Ask yourself that question. The keys to Baltimore winning is be it, uh, you got to you got to win this game in the trenches. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but if you allow Patrick Mahomes any type of time, you're going to get burned. I don't care what kind of defense you have in Baltimore. There's certain guys, and I saw this on TV today. There's certain guys in this league that have magic to them, and Patrick Mahomes is one of them. Don't give this guy any time. Um, double cover uh, Kelsey, and you'll be fine too. Because I can't trust their wide receiving core. If, if you do that, you'll be fine. Because I can't trust their wide receiving core to hold on to balls. They did that last week against Buffalo. But can they do that two weeks in a row? Can they do that to get back to another Super Bowl? That remains to be seen. So if you do that, that is a clear-cut winner for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. I'm going to dissect it just one step further. And I remember about three or four weeks ago, I mentioned that the Kansas City Chiefs were the second-worst team in making completions more than 20 yards. And against Buffalo, I think they made nine plays of 20 yards or more, both running and passing the ball. You need to eliminate the large plays of the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think the Baltimore Ravens can do that. By making Patrick Mahomes throw underneath small plays, chip yard gains, uh, sure, time of possession will be there, but Kansas City will not be able to stretch the field because they cannot trust their receivers to go long and catch a ball. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at Kelsey to get further than 20 yards. It's going to take some time. You're looking for Pacheco to get to the outside and gain 20 yards on the ground. That's going to take some time. And I don't know if, I mean, the Baltimore defense is a little more relentless and could stop this offense very quickly. But it's Patrick And, and can MBS, can M, can MBS hold on the balls? He hasn't shown me. I mean, former Packer receiver. Yeah, I'm calling him out. I mean, they, they, yeah. he's 
he's not been good since leaving Green Bay. He was good in Green Bay. I, I don't understand this. He was good in Green Bay. But after Green Bay, he just fell off. I mean, yeah. It's... He's it, it's it's amazing to me. So I I have Baltimore in this game. You know, I'll and I'll take Kansas City because they've been there before. I'll take the two red teams okay. if you take the two red teams. Okay. Okay. So those are hard picks. Uh, th- this is going to be a fun, fun Sunday of football. That is for sure. Um, Theo, there a couple things I wanted to talk to you about in terms of the NHL. With the All-Star game coming up, certain guys decline to go, certain guys go. Is there more incentive to go or be with your family and get away from the game? I mean, monetarily speaking, don't you? If you get called into the All Star game and you don't go, aren't you suspended for a game? You think these guys are worried about a game? Nope. You th- you really think these guys are worried about one game and twenty five thousand dollars? A little more than that. Especially All Stars. You you know what I mean. I- exactly. I'm just putting a figure out there because so these guys are athletes. You answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 literally there's literally no incentive to go in going to an all-star game. You know what I'd rather see around around this time, Theo? A minor like a oh, minor yeah. tournament. Oh, like like a minor tournament. Like a not an in season tournament per se, but I'm I'm like in terms of if you want to like like an international play, there needs to be more international play in the NHL. More best on best. You can't just wait until the world world championships. Remember when we had the World Cup of Hockey and how great that was for everyone? I'd almost rather see that than I would rather see an All-Star game. Because that was at the 2020 All-Star game. While the skills competition was great, the women's game was great, the All-Star game was meh. I mean, it, it was good to see. I, I'm not going to say that, that it wasn't. But the All-Star game itself is meh because no one's trying. What's the point? Mm, absolutely. It's more of Nothing a joke. Add to that. I mean, it's, it, it's in-season All-Star games are very hard to do. Because it's a spectacle. It's putting the show, it's putting the game in a showtime perspective. Uh, monetary wise, I mean, players, so you get picked to an all star game. Is it going to up your pay scale? No. Is it possibly a detriment should you get injured? Absolutely. Uh, players would rather spend time with their family or chill. And just be congratulated for making an all-star game and then saying, you know what, I'm done, I'm good. But someone else can go on my behalf. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't I mean I, will I watch it next weekend? Probably with the sound off because it's in Toronto. I mean, I could care less about these special captains or you know, the fact that there's nine Maple Leafs drafted to the Eastern team and then like who cares? Obviously nine is an exaggeration, but still. It just seems like everything around this tournament or around this week, that weekend, next weekend, is geared towards Toronto when it should be an NHL inclusive 
opportunity. St. Louis was like that. Florida was like that. You know, it, it, that's the thing. It, it it was never. It was St. Louis centric, but it wasn't about St. Louis. It's about showing off the game, which that was the last All Star game that I will besides Florida last year that I think really showcased the game itself. But then again, Toronto is the NHL's darling. Yep. Toronto. Yeah. Toronto is the NHL's darling. Let's put it that way. Um, so Theo, do you have a theory this week? I haven't really gotten to one lately and I apologize for that. You know what? There's, I was thinking about that on the way home today about, we haven't touched on something like that. And, you know, when it comes to, just the importance of these players and these like I'm I'm a I'm a big proponent of paying a player when they do well. And yes, they deserve a lot of money, a lot of this. But no one is giving any attention to the support staff of these players. We talked a little about coaching, the fact that these young up and comers need a tremendous amount of coaching. Because if they don't have the coaching, they could get thrown to the wayside. Uh, in good times or bad, rough spots or not, no one's going to have a yellow brick road when it comes to making to the professional leagues. Uh, we've even seen great players like Connor Bedard, for example, get absolutely destroyed on social media. But I'm just saying that just as a quick caveat to what I'm about to say. These players don't need to be babysat. Rather, they need to be given the skills so that we as media, are irrelevant. You're saying, what are you talking about, Theo? Whatever we say as media, do as media, print as media, should do absolutely nothing. Should not affect anybody. Because it's mere opinion, or slight fact, and you as a player should be above and beyond that. You should be the cream to the top, the cherry on top of the whipped cream, the upper echelon of all echelons, yes. And I'm not saying that we're becoming soft as players or we're not becoming, you know, the warriors that we expect on any playing field. But what I'm saying is your play, your actions should speak for themselves. And when there are resources available, you have the opportunity to have access to them. And I feel that the resources that are there, you look at the countless hours a training staff does, for example, the NHL, um, packing bags, making sure players are well hydrated and injury-free, resorting to the rehabs that they have to do, making sure that all their gear is together, packed up, ready to go. They have equipment managers, athletic therapists. Those guys are what keep the bus running. And they don't get enough credit. But that starts in junior hockey, that starts in college hockey, and it starts with the player recognizing the amount of support they have so that they're able to maintain an excellence on the ice or on the pitch or whatever surface they're playing in. Um, and I feel that I'm going to give kudos and props to the equipment and training staffs that don't get the recognition because they deserve as much of this as anyone. You want to look at the end of the year when they give out those rings, when the Stanley Cup is there? You're darn right the equipment managers are getting them. You're darn right the athletic therapists are getting them. 
because they deserve them just as much. Now, they're not putting goals and assists on there, but they're keeping the healthy ones scoring goals and assists on the ice. They're keeping their gear together and set up so it's in professional tip-top shape. So if that's a theory, so be it. If it's not, well, so be it too. But there's a lot of people out there that don't get the recognition they deserve. We can talk more about this as we move further into, you know, all-star weekends and the balance of teams and whether or not teams are going to be making a move in the upcoming weeks. Because I'll tell you one thing, on the books right now, more teams are – there's more parity in the league. And we say that as a, as a cliche word, like, all the time. But when it comes to a team's chemistry and disrupting that chemistry – it can make or break a bubble team and it can certainly make or break a team that's at the top of the league. Uh, and we're going to see what moves are made or not made in the upcoming weeks here. Yeah. And since you bring that up, one more thing I wanted to discuss and um, well, my singles blues are in a uh, retool right now. Um, the one guy I see name I see is thrown around. He's not even a free agent until next uh, next season. Is Pavel Buchnevich? Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, um, you know, again, when right, he's a really good player. But this year, he's not been right at all. Nowhere, nowhere, even close to right on a nightly basis. Um, other guys that I could see them moving on from, maybe cr- cr- trying to get. In, no trade clauses away from Krug, Falk. Uh, um, maybe getting out from under these bad contracts and we maybe sign some defensemen to get back to some good contracts. You need some younger guys out there. The one guy, Theo, I think won't be coming back and the one guy that I think they shouldn't trade. Let's start with the guy I don't think is coming back and that's Scott Brunovich. I mean, this guy hasn't shown anything and this is a former Hobie Baker award winner. When the Blues drafted him, I, I forget who said this, but how often do you see Hobie Baker award winners last in the NHL? How often do you see them thrive in the NHL? Okay. Um, Perunovic couldn't stay he- can't stay healthy. And this year he's been healthy and he, he's still, he still yet to score a damn goal. Granted, as a defenseman, you don't score goals. I get that. But come on, man. You got those shots back there. Sooner or later, a couple of them are going to go in. Look at Colton Pareko. He's starting to shoot, and they're starting to go in. But Scott Prunovich, is he even worth maybe extending? Is he even worth bringing back after this year? Because he is a UFA after this season. So entry-level contract, UFA, two things that side on St. Louis's favor. His production on the ice, not great. His health, better this year than of recent years. And I don't see him as being a priority until after the season. So I don't think it's something you have to make a decision on tomorrow. And having said that, you know, what is the de- – and that's just something that I have no clue on because they've got a brand-new coach. What is the definition of their defense going to be? Like you said, you've got three or four players with no trade clauses – on the back end. So unfortunately, St. Louis Blues is stuck with these three players with NTCs. Very difficult to change your philosophy, 
change your defensive strategy when you have three lackluster players not performing on the back end. It's just it's just flat out fact. You know, you just don't have the room or the space or the opportunity to move those kind of players without their permission. So basically, they've got the balls in their court. Yeah, they have the balls in their court. One guy that has a no trade clause that I don't really don't want to see go anywhere. I mean, if we if they the Blues did trade him, we'd get a haul back for him, and that's Colton Pareko. Colton Pareko's probably had his best year in let's say two, three, four years. He's hitting now. He's getting a little chippy. He's he's firing pucks without being worried about if he's going to hurt somebody. This is the best Colton Perico I've seen in a pretty long time. You've been on him since last year, you know, Joe. Like you said, you're done with the fairy tale ballerina kind of work that he does all last year. And you know what? It's uh, maybe it's a case of oh, contract's almost up. I gotta pick it up or ship it out. And he's choosing the former versus the latter. Or, or he's healthy. That too. He had, a, he had a back injury last year, Theo. Maybe he's healthy. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see what he does going forward because he's, he's been the blues best defenseman this year by far. So, uh, Theo, yeah. um, yeah, I, I'm sure you would agree with me. You would agree with me on that. That's for sure. Um, Theo, do you have anything before we get out of here today? Uh, big news in junior hockey on the West Coast. I don't know if you've seen this. Also in the states, two things: uh, the environment and the culture of junior hockey is changing in British Columbia and Alberta where we've got teams going back and forth between the provinces saying they're joining different leagues, potentially being suspended by those leagues. And it's basically a, you're looking at two provinces that are no longer going to be following hockey Canada, but trying to do something on their own. That's being between Alberta and British Columbia. Having that said though, at the same time, the NCAA is under a lot of litigation and scrutiny with player contracts and dabbling, if you want to call it, in uh, some of their and how they practice luring people to play for athletics, not just hockey. Just got under the wire like the last 36, 48 hours. Stories are starting to build traction, but it does not look like the same culture is going to be existing next year. Players may have a problem of where they're no playing next year. So it's going to be – it's it's an interesting story to follow in the next, you know, couple of weeks here to see what happens. Yeah, I will certainly keep an eye out on that. And once things come out, I feel I'd feel more comfortable disclosing it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, – it it's a very fluid situation. Yeah. So – um, for Theo, I'm Joe. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Until next week, have a great w rest of your week and great weekend, everybody.